Hello, everybody. Welcome to another edition of the Value Guys Stock Talk Show with the Value Guys. I'm Val Hughes. And I'm Momentum. And we are 32-year Wall Street veterans that have taken on secret identities and gone underground in order to provide you with our candid views on a handful of stocks that we screen for each week here in the shop. You've seen our faces on TV. You've seen us quoted in the news, but our bosses would never allow our unfiltered views on the air, so we've disguised our voices and they'll never know. This week we've done a screen that uh, I think is just a screen we've run in the past. It's a standard uh, enterprise value to EBITDA screen, and we've picked out three exciting value ideas this week. But before we get to that, a couple of important caveats. First, this show's for entertainment purposes only. That's not a guarantee. Secondly, uh, this is just a hobby for Mo and I. We're kicking back after work, having a few uh, adult beverages. So, uh, you know, we're not doing all the work we do during the week when we're interviewing management teams and making forecasts uh, and massive Excel spreadsheets, etc. We're doing absolutely none of that here. We're just kicking back. Third, I think I'm on three. Uh, our lawyers say to remind you that uh, we may not have your best interests in mind and we may accidentally recommend that you do the opposite of what is actually best for you. So, Check with somebody else besides us. That's probably the best. And then fourth, uh, we have been uh, drinking. It's just after work and we're kicking back. See all our caveats, photos, links to things uh, at www.thevalueguys.com. In fact, uh, today is uh, July 10th, 2012, and I, Mo, I have an important Value Guys announcement. Is it about the new website? Yeah. What, did you listen to the show already? Uh, anyway, yeah. we have an exciting new website that has been put up by a gentleman named uh, Stefan and uh, the people over at the Financial Survival Network. And they're just doing this because I guess they like the show, so it's very flattering. But we've got an exciting new logo where Mo and I are just waiting around for the V signal. So go figure that out. Go check that out. And then um, Stefan has done an amazing job. He's taken every show. This show has been on for five years. He's got every show back to 1840 or something like that. Every stock we've talked about on the show, there's a button. It clicks into the chart. And ignore that because sometimes stocks go down, of course. But more importantly, news. So if you've been a longtime listener to the show, there's now a button for stocks that shows a link to every stock we've ever talked about on the show. Can you believe that, Mo? You know. I can't. You know we are paying him. We are? It, you must be paying no, him. No, we're actually, uh, when I had contacted him originally, we decided we were going to use your PayPal account. Have you checked that lately? Oh, no, that's fine. Oh, Absolutely. no. Well, but just so you know, we are. We that's are. my ex-wife's account, so that's cool. We are paying for it. Um, no, I actually, uh, in full disclosure, I don't think we actually are. I think uh, supposedly uh, advertising is paying for it, but I was just on the site, and there's no advertising on the site. So uh, the value guys continue to be... Uh, We're interviewing you know, Jim Cramer yeah. to see if we'll let him on and do a few things. He's he, he wants on. I know. But, but anyway, check out the site, www.thevalueguys. It's got these exciting links to all these past shows. And uh, also... Um, He's created a way for Mo and I, as we're just going through life, reading the paper, we can send links, and they now end up 
on the homepage. So you can follow along the things that Mo and Val are kind of reading about and thinking are important enough to stick on the site. Right, we and can put them we up. have the upcoming reality show, which Bravo is going to start shooting next year, so stay tuned for that. It'll be Val and Mo. We They force us to live in a house together. Really? And, yeah. And, I'm not, um, we're did I sign off? On, did my team sign off on that, I Mo? think I don't remember did. that. Yeah, that's coming up. All right. Well, that's exciting. So uh, go check out the, uh, the website. That's pretty exciting. And then, uh, what, this is the part of the show where uh, – Thankfully, I'm not involved, but we do, and we need a we need some type of theme song. There we go. Value Guys Wall Street News, Wall brought Street to you news. by Mo. Mentor. Well, there was huge news last week. Huge. Yeah. No, I saw that. Well, you know, at the end of our show, yeah, we uh, we pretty much always talk about macroeconomic trends when we're looking macroeconomic at macroeconomic trends. Absolutely. That St. Louis uh, Reserve do. data. And, you know, occasionally we talk about microeconomic trends. Yeah, we do talk about that. Um, but there is a nascent field, and it's called quantum economics. Quantum. And what it does is it, it examines economic trends on the subatomic level. Really? What's happening in well, the you know, cells? The, I see. Nothing no. much has been done Makes in the sense. field because the Rosetta Stone has been missing, and last week in... The uh, CERN laboratories in Geneva. Yeah, they announced that they had something going over there. Yes, the Higgs boson. Yeah, and this is the Rosetta Stone to quantum economics. Really? So now you what can look at you can look at do, you huh? can look at economic trends uh-huh. on a subatomic basis. Yeah, and uh, you can now do using that stock forecast out with a ninety-two percent probability level out two years. Really? So and there, uh, we are, uh, we're actually working on the higgs Boson portfolio allocation model. We're looking for 40% returns on my fund. Is this what you're doing over in your shop? Next year. Is this year. what you guys do over there for so those for big all, bonuses and all, all that? For all, wow. of my, uh, for all of my clients out there, stay tuned. We're looking for 40 to 45% next year. And uh, that's the big news on the science and how do you store those things? things? You, you got a, like a little wallet where you keep. I mean, they're they're very tiny. They are. They're very very separate, small. Yeah. But uh, we 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 uh, we use a Dyson vacuum. Ah, that's very good. Well, you know, it's good to know that somebody on the streets doing important work. We just sit around. We're we're doing it. We're doing the old fashioned stuff. Exactly. We're so one last one last yeah. thing. Wall, thank you. you guys, Wall Street News. Thank please. you for the yo-yo. Oh, you're welcome. Well, I got a I got a Duncan yo-yo yeah. for my oh, birthday. Birthday present and, for Mo. Uh, yeah. A Duncan Imperial yo-yo. Well, why not get the best? And only two financial nerds would then Google Duncan yo-yo and then well, go back to the website. it's such a fabulous go, yo-yo. You want to know if you can get in on it, right? An hour later, we're at the parent <laughs> website. Yeah. Now, tell me, have you ever seen anything like this before? Well, I, the, I don't the, know. The I mean, owners of Duncan yo-yos... Well, we could, you know, we could buy this. Thing. Also, own an automotive division that does that makes blow molded products. That makes sense. Blow molded. They yeah. uh, they do outdoor. They have an outdoor hunting division. Yeah. That does realistic life size deer decoys. Now yeah. this they, they have on another, a string. No they less. have another division which yeah. makes sense. That does the same thing. They just call them lawn ornaments. Lawn so if ornaments. you want some deer, it's an amazing you know. company. But uh, they do they do tackle boxes. 
Yeah. Fishing rods, an automotive division, um, and they've got yo-yos, and they've got a fluid technology center. The Flambeau uh, Technology Center. They, uh, and the one, I didn't even realize this before, they have long been recognized as a leader in the plastic floral container I've long market. recognized them as that. Haven't, haven't you? Oh, yeah, they're the best. So, I mean, how do you think they make these yo-yos? They didn't. They they've got a a, a model to, to study for that. I would love to see the guy that bought all that stuff and think and ask him. So, uh, so the fluid technology, the industrial technology, and the yo-yo. How how does that all fit together? There is a strategic vision there that, that I would just. I think it would be a Harvard Business School. Case. I think it's ripe for a buyout yeah. and a breakup. So anyway, Personally. I don't know. Well, so we got yeah. some stocks. Okay, so uh, this week, and and several, you know, many weeks, not every week, we've got three kick-ass value ideas. We've been sitting around here working on this for quite a while, Mo. Quite a while. I don't want to get into all the details, and uh, we're going to be offering uh, three names that came out of a screen. We just run screens here in the shop. Uh, this is Val. We we have a little value shop here, and we run value screens. And this week, I think we ran an enterprise value to EBITDA screen. It's just, it's like the missionary position of value screens. You just, it's straight up the middle, very simple, nothing fancy, but it gets the job done. We've got three tremendous names this week, Mo, and I want to mention what they are up in, a, in ahead of time, so people could just skip ahead to that section that they're most interested in. They you may just I, skip the show and buy the skip stock. To the, at the end, there's apt to be music, so you could go right there if you want. But three names, Natural Gas Services, ticker NGS, Pier 1 Imports, PIR, which everyone's heard of. On Wall Street, this was left to, for dead a few years ago. And then uh, Robbins and Myers ticker RBN, which uh, is not the ice cream company. No, but I've been uh, I've been hearing about this for a long time, and in looking at it, it looks pretty interesting. That may that may be one I'm really pretty seriously interested. For in. For all of you fluid management fans out there, who isn't a fan of that, Mo? Exactly. So in you'll have to age. wait for two other stuff. <laughs> <laughs> that is true. That's true. At your age. My age is exactly. So uh, Natural Gas Services Group, NGS, you know what? I, I, I'm reading this, and they, they uh, focus on the non-conventional natural gas production, which I think is fracking, right? So they're, Fracking. That's what, well, I mean, frack, yeah. fracking. Yeah. Right. So this is heralded as the next big thing. This could make our country energy exporters. Well, there's so much that's already happened. I might have mentioned this on a past show. We own coal because strategically, long-term, China and India need lifestyles like the West. It's the cheapest form of energy to make electricity. So that's your 20-year plan. Meantime, this fracking has taken natural gas prices from like 8 bucks per 1,000 cubic feet to 250 and our coal stocks have just evaporated. In fact, today I think uh, Patriot Coal filed for bankruptcy. Who'd ever think that? Who'd ever think that? No, I mean, it's, it's crazy, these these prices for gas, but it's fueling a lot of growth in those in, sure, it's uh, industries we, that use fuel as a, an input. Yeah, basically it's like a discovering Prudhoe Bay all over yeah. again in the middle of the country. That's no, fabulous. So, but, so here's my question for you. The, this, uh, this company has got sales 
that have gone from 50, 50 to 65 to 88. I mean, that's a, that's a great sales momentum. The margins have been steady at 43, 44%. That, so you think it's in the right industry. Sales are up, no share creep. You tell me what you think about the valuation. But this thing has been done nothing for three years. 2010, the stock was at flat. 2011, it was down 23, and this year it's up one. I would have thought, good oh, with all of this stuff, the stock would have been a killer stock. So I'm, I'm confused. Well, you know, it's it's interesting. Um, these guys do not provide a yield. So we've talked mm -hmm. about energy stocks in the past that are royalty based, or you know, they've got a REIT structure. They got to pay out all the earnings. That's not the case here. These guys, natural gas services, and what they do is they provide small to medium horsepower compression equipment to the natural gas industry. Uh, let's see. Uh, so that's what you do. You, well, push, you, push, you push that uh, they sludge down in there to break up the... They the, rent the, these things to people right. to enhance the production. Now, we, we've had some conversations with management teams. In fact, we had a nice call a few weeks ago here in the shop with... Uh, Schlumberger, which if you Google up SLB, they're the largest oil services company probably in the world. And so... I thought uh, they made pajamas. Yeah, no, that's a side business. Schlumberger? Uh, Schlumberger, that's a French pajama company. But, uh, you know, one thing you can do when you're trying to understand some of the, you know, the fundamentals of a small company is call the big company that can crush them whenever they want and find out why they're not doing it. Or maybe you'll find out, oh, yeah, we were going to open a division that does that. You know, we are starting a yo-yo company. It's like, uh-oh. But uh, what we found was that um, all the guys out there searching for energy, because gas prices have become so cheap, of course, you move your equipment to discover new energy from gas fields, which are paying, you know, very little, to oil fields, which are down from 100 to 85 per barrel. Gas is down from 8 to 250. So my suspicion on this is that the stock is down quite a bit. I mean, it's at 14, and the old high was 30 uh, five, four or five years ago, is simply that people aren't buying as many of these small to medium horsepower compression engines, what have you, because they are not expanding the search for natural gas with prices down here. And so uh, they're coming in. But my longer-term thought, because this thing right now is 4.8 times EBITDA. If I take the inverse of that, uh, and actually I don't usually have a calculator, but I do today, that's a 20.8 percent cash-on-cash cash return. Now, obviously, implicit in that is that earnings are going to continue to be under pressure, but on the other hand, they've been going up for three years. So is the equipment in the natural gas, uh, you know, world about to fall off because prices are down? Quite possible. But on the other hand, is this equipment so cheap that you need it just to maintain existing capacity and production, and it's such a small piece of the total expense pie that, of course, you're going to replace a compression in engine. You know, I don't know which it is, but I will say that when I see a company that has 44% EBITDA margins... And 44% consistently. That's been consistently, every year for the last four years. And they've got twenty mid-20s percent EBIT margins. Now, remember, that's kind of a markup. 
EBIT margin. I take all my costs and add a markup. So if I take 1 minus 0.26, 1 divided by 1 minus 26%, that's 1 over 75. That's a, that, that's a 35% markup on costs. And when I see a margin that high, it suggests to me that these guys are doing something pretty unique, pretty specialized, or they would not, simply would not get that margin. Well, as a fundamental guy, you got to love the fact that these guys had as much as a $13 billion worth of debt in 2008, and in one fell swoop, they've taken it to 2800 or uh, sorry, $2.8 billion, one, and $1 billion, and now it's zero. Zero, yeah. So um, you got to love that. A lot of cash a, flow. Yep. So I'm, I flow. would be a contrarian on this one. I don't know if the stock's going up or down from here. But at 4.8 times EBITDA, there's a reasonable chance that gas prices will not stay down here forever because, I mean, they're cutting production, they are uh, bringing in factories to use up the excess gas, and that we will get back to some more normal period for uh, purchasing this equipment, and that the stock's going to, you know, have a nice, uh, a nice run from here over the next you know, three, four years. I, I don't know, but it looks cheap as hell to me. Yep. Natural Gas Services Group, ticker NGS. Now, let me ask you a question. Yes, sir. You, you are looking more at small caps during the day and during yeah. your career than I am. Small I took cap. one look at this Pier 1 import tonight. Yeah. Oh, everyone talks about Apple being the, you know, the amazing killer stock. This this stock was up a thousand. 300% in 2009, it was up another 100% in 2010, it was up 30% last year, and it's up 20% this year. Ah, who would have thought? Pier 1 imports? Yeah. So does that mean that uh, sort of the, it's inverse to housing starts? If people aren't buying, you know, new houses, they're spending more fixing up their, the ones that they have, and so rather than buy a washing machine and all that stuff when you buy a new house, they're going to Pier 1 Imports and they're buying candles for their existing house because well, they're not moving? Uh, you know, that's a good a good uh, point. I think that you got to take this into perspective, which is the reason the stock was up so much is that in 2005, the stock was around 30. Mm -hmm. And then in the middle of 2008, it looks like it got to 15 cents. Right, the stock was down 93%. Yeah. That's so, what you said, it was left for dead. Yeah, left for dead. And the problem was, and we were studying this in the shop, because companies like Williams-Sonoma, which owns Pottery Barn, or Bed Bath & Beyond, and Pier 1, and, you know, Cost Plus, World Market, and, you know, all these stores that sell stuff that go in your house. Uh, it wasn't like one was doing better than the other. They were all doing badly. And this was during a period where people were buying a lot of homes. It, it didn't just start in the recession. I mean, during most of this decade or last decade, these things were all doing badly. And I think what we concluded was that coffee tables cost 400 bucks and iPods cost 400 bucks. You know, sofas cost 700 bucks. And iPads cost 700 bucks. So we were seeing this enormous take-up of consumer spending into the electronics area for all these gadgets that didn't used to exist. And people are like, you know, my coffee table, I think it can go another year. And they all were crushed. And when that happens, the weak guys get beat up. Pier 1, the thing about Pier 1, and I've 
been familiar with this company for 30 years. The thing about Pier 1 is they were very early on some things. They imported a bunch of stuff. They had that bizarre type feel in the stores, and they attracted a lot of people with low prices for kind of interesting stuff. You know, the, the dorm, you know, my dorm, and this is a long time ago, had stuff from Pier 1 because it was cool and all that and cheap. Then they started upscaling. You they, had stuff from Pier 1 in well, your dorm room? Beads, you know, hippie, hippie dorm, you know. Stuff like that, incense, candles, you know, all that kind of stuff. In fact, I'll tell you that in the early 1990s, 15%, and I don't know why I remember this, 15% of Pier 1 sales were a certain item. Guess what it was? Not a water bag. Candles. Fire departments hated it. But it was like they had this thing going. And then guess what happened? And this is something to always watch out for. did, Did the candles work? Yeah, they were. I always they, wondered if those work. No, you, you you light them and they burn for I mean, quite a work? while. Oh, yeah. They, they work like hell. I mean, they really do. But here's the problem. Here's what happened. Sometime around 2001, Walmart, you know, big company, right? They're like, hey, we need to crank up our growth a little bit. What can we do? We got these big stores. We don't need a shoe department anymore. People are buying that stuff online. We got all this frickin' space. Hey, I know. Let's start a Pier 1 department. So, honestly, they didn't call it that, but Walmart, one of the things Pier 1 had years ago was great relationships in Asia. That was one of their secret, you know, ingredients. Walmart starts bringing this stuff in. They knocked off Pier 1 in a corner of their store. And this thing, if you look, the gross margin here got down to uh, 28%. Back in 07, it's it's 41% now. That's where it should be. Right. They got so beat up. So what's happened is, beat up, managers thrown out. You know, it's like, look, if Walmart's copying us, we have to think of something new. They've upgraded their stuff again. They've got some good merchants. They, and they, they've basically rebuilt the company. So they've rebuilt it and they've recovered. So yeah. do you buy the stock now or is the story over? I don't think the story's over. They've recovered... I mean, they're selling at seven times EBITDA, mm-hmm. so that's a 14% cash mm-hmm. on cash. Um, you know, it's certainly at a recent high. You could have bought it for 15 cents in 08, and now it's at 16. Oh, who would have thought? Well, but, you know, but you know, all the analyst uh, forecasts are uh, all up for the one month, the three month, the six months, so that shows good confidence in the numbers, even though people are beginning to worry the economy is slowing down. Yeah, well, I, I do think they, they, they come at price points that are below a pottery barn and that sort of thing. So they're attractive. Uh, they've, they've got a long, long history of having interesting stuff that you want to come look at. So to the extent housing's recovering a little bit, consumers are recovering a little bit, and they are. We've talked about that uh, during our walking through economic trends section of the show. But uh, I think that they can, uh, given that they've righted the ship, I think there's a good chance they can, you know, have a couple good years here as the economy continues to recover. Pier 1, uh, ticker PIR. And you know what they say. They say in that industry you can sit on your couch, but you can't sit on your iPod. Right. So Yeah. And your couch doesn't play music. That's true. That's true. So here's okay. what you've been all been waiting for. It is? Why? Fluid ah. management. Fluid management. For you fans of... Fluid management, you couldn't ask for a better stock. Okay, last up, Robbins 
and Myers, ticker RBN. Um, why do we like this one? Well, it's six times EBITDA, which is pretty cheap. They've got good returns, margins. Margins are expanding. Look at that, 9%, 18%, 22%. Those yeah, well, yeah, margins. I mean, they're, they're coming out of the downturn yeah. nicely. Gross margins at 38%, and some people might say, well, why not 50? And I say, because at 50, you attract competition. Too much competition, unless, so, you, unless you have huge barriers to yeah, entry. Right, and I think that, uh, you know, these guys are doing some very interesting proprietary stuff. Uh, here's what they what uh, their 10K says. They sell fluid management equipment for process industries. Which is very self-evident what that is. It manages fluids, is that right? That's exactly what it is. And means. I would call this stuff productivity equipment. If you're managing fluids, you're preventing spills. You're moving stuff quickly to a manufacturing station. Well, listen, you're... I tell you what. I manage idiots, and I'd much rather manage fluid. Yeah. It, would be, it would just be more well, less frustrating. <laughs> the, fluids, the fluids don't ask for raises or time uh, off. Yeah, they don't, bonuses. they don't they waste don't your care. time by knocking on your door uh, like you know who. So, uh, let's see. The company also supplies engineered equipment and systems for, my God, Mo, critical applications in global energy. We certainly need that. Yeah, that's true. Absolutely. And then the thing that caught my eye here was, uh, well, uh, they, they, they make systems used in oil and gas exploration, and we're going to need that, of course. But here's the thing. Glass lined reactors and storage vessels. Are we still producing uh, reactors? I'm sure. There's reactions going on. All the time. Uh, in fact, nuclear is having a little bit of a comeback. But I, I don't know if this means nuclear reactor. No, but I think that there's uh, North what Korea's kind of been buying a lot of these, and Iran's been buying them. And I don't know what, what it, it could just be. It could be the nuclear reactors, or well, wait a minute, the com company some was other type of reactor. 1878. Well, the nuclear reactors was back probably then not were their pretty <laughs> primitive. <laughs> it was probably not their pretty first primitive. product. So <laughs> anyway, they're they're doing some stuff that seems tricky to understand. We certainly don't understand, and they've got. Uh, a uh, 20% EBIT margin. Again, to me, that says something proprietary. How about no long-term debt? Uh, no. Well, I, I, you know, I looked it up because I was suspicious of that. Ah, misprint. Oh, wait a minute. No, that is right. But I looked up the cash. See how this thing doesn't show the cash? Yeah. So their cash, they had $230 million last year. They were building some cash. They're $150 million in cash, which is about three bucks a share. What do you think? No debt. Hmm. It's a nice feature. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, let's see. Six times so, EBITDA, <coughs> that's 16% cash on cash, 10 times net cash flow, uh, 11 times earnings. You well, know. you know, it's interesting, and, and, and the, the fundamentals you're ticking off all sound great, and the stock reacted to it. You know, the stock was up 45% in 2009. It was up 50% in 2010. It was up 36% last year. Yeah. Um, so clearly the markets recognize that. You know, it, it, here's a possibility. The stock's down 13% this year. It very well could be that it's going down because of the market. At the same time, the fundamentals are improving. And usually that's something you at least want to take a hard look at. Because if this stock's down 13% this year only because of the market, no changes in the fundamentals, and we can't find any, 
It might be an interesting yeah. thing to take a hard look at. A lot of times, at. companies like this in a little bit of a downturn, you know, there's a lot of, there's fear in the market. I mean, we had a horrible May, a medium June, um, but there's a lot of concern about the near-term economy of Europe, of China. You know, we don't know what our taxes are going to be next year, so Spain, a lot of capitalists, Italy. yeah, you know, every, everyone's kind of on the sidelines, and yet these guys are managing to improve margins, um, push improve sales, improve ROE, ROA, push sales, and to me that suggests that somebody's going out of business because these guys are taking their lunch, and that's usually a good sign. And you know what? Yeah. They have a dividend. Oh, I didn't notice that. What they well, doing? you wouldn't notice it because it's sort of microscopic. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> 0.5, you know. Uh, but it's competitive. Do you want me to try to guess the dividend? Uh, let's just see if we, we can do, do that this. next week. I don't think I could. No, you couldn't. This looks is a little like too it's complicated. Kind of, yeah, it yeah. goes up a uh, penny a year or whatever. Okay, well, that's uh, the first part of our show. That's our three stocks. Now, please stick around because at this point, we like to do a little thing we call paging through national economic trends. We pick up the uh, national economic trends from the Federal Reserve Bank of St. Louis. Because it's always good to close a show on a depressing note. Yeah, we like to do that a lot. And, uh, of course, as usual, we actually have not even looked at that document. Which means we have to go print yeah, it out. So we've got to drink a little more, print out those documents, and we will be back in just a few minutes, everyone. Stay tuned. your uh, wife with that song uh you know we had a lot of songs we used but that, that was what they played effective. that's what yeah. they played at your wedding yeah you must like that song oh it's the greatest i don't know yeah they had to use that in something i don't know hmm. but uh it's anyway good... we're back paging through national economic trends uh we've been talking about this a lot over the years but the uh federal reserve bank of st louis national economic trends google it it's all the information, uh, not that you might want to know, but it's what you need to know. Or not, whatever, either way. But uh, here on the Value Guys Stock Talk Show, we page through here. The end. I don't want to make it any more fancy than it needs Well, don't to go be. another page. Go backward. Go backward right, one page. We're starting on page uh, three. Wow. I have a question right. for you. Yes, sir. Bottom right-hand corner, unemployment, yeah. unemployment rate, jobs rate. data. Yeah. Third month, and that we you know what they say when you're doing very sophisticated technical analysis. Yeah. Three points make a trend. They do. Think about it. Three points make a trend, and okay. so we've now had yeah. three months. Yeah. Of terrible job data. What do you terrible. think? Terrible. Terrible. Seventy. Seventy thousand new people. Yeah. Yeah. And they were all hired by McDonald's. Well, here's what I think. I think there's a lot of lines on this page that squiggle around. There's a lot of noise. And right now... Is that a technical term yeah, you're using? Squiggle. squiggle? Yeah, for me it is. You know, and I think it's clear. 
uh, Spain, Greece, Italy, right? They buy stuff. They soon may not be buying a lot of stuff, and so that has people uh, a little concerned. And, of course, there's U.S. companies that have big divisions internationally, and I think that this is just you're seeing a little caution. We also don't know what the tax rate is next year. There's going to be the last half of the year is apt to be very interesting as these political campaigns get out there. And, you know, to them it's just trying to be the president. But to the rest of us, we got a plan. We got a plan. What do we got to save to retire? Businessmen have to decide how much to invest in plant and equipment. These plants take two years to build, so your return matters. And, you know, I, I think that uh, maybe the politicians don't always get it, that people out here, real people, have decisions to make that, uh, you know, go beyond what's going to happen in November. And I think the uncertainty, it's just, I think people are just cautious. So, uh all those guys that make 250000 and over that just got a tax hike or Obama wants the tax hike, those are the only people that hire. Every person that hires somebody in America probably makes over $250,000. Those are the people that you put in charge of those important decisions. And right now they're a little more worried about their own situation than whether the company should hire some guys and I think that there's just a lot of a lot of uncertainty. So that's well, all you know, I think. I, I agree. And you know when you think about uncertainty, here's another uncertainty graph to take a look at. If you look on page four, it's the real gross domestic product. I think Morgan Stanley said this morning they think the uh, next three quarters of the year are going to be meaningfully slower than the first quarter and they are attributing it to people kind of the deer in the headlight freezing up because of this physical cliff yeah where you're not only going to have at the same time going through the mill the um, you know the the um, the debate on the tax cuts yeah and you're going to have uh, the debt ceiling so yeah well you could have about a perfect, dividends yep, right yep, now right. the the tax rate on the table is yep. that the taxes on dividends those are the things you get back when you buy some of these stocks are, are going to go from 15 to 40 percent, and that's going to put a damper on right. demand for stocks. So all the fundamentals we're talking about, and, and, and fundamentals should be the most important element of a stock. Right now, I have to suggest that some of everyone's decision has to be thinking about what are my after-tax returns. That's right. what you get to keep. And so uh, I suspect there's going to be a lot of volatility and uncertainty. Uncertainty, the next six for months. sure, for sure. I mean, that's uh, you're you're starting to see the whole the whole economy slowly slow down well, until smoke. they can they can get some visibility. Something caught my eye here on page five. National Economic Trends, page five. The nice thing about this site is they update this stuff through today. This is through today. It's amazing. July tenth, two thousand twelve something called real GDP revisions. So the government, they come out pretty quickly with a GDP estimate. Then a few months later they revise it because more data has come in. Then a few months later they revise it again because some more data has come in. So uh, there's four revisions. And the one that has the four is uh, the first quarter of 2011. The second quarter of 2011, so far only three revisions, one to come soon, and, 
and, and the ensuing quarters have not yet had their final revision. The only quarter that's had its final revision is the first quarter, 2011. And here's why I'm mentioning this. The first estimate was close to 2% for an annual rate of growth back then. Then they revised it. They revised it. It looks like there was absolutely no revision to that. It stayed at, you know, almost 2%. Let's call it 1.8. Then, and I don't know the date on this. It was probably three months ago. There was a third revision, and it ticked up. So instead of 1.8, the third revision suggested that it might be 1.9. You 1. see 9. that, Mo? Yep. Then there was a revision very recently, within the last month or so, and I've never seen anything like this. This thing got revised from 1.9 to 0.4. So it was cut that guy by was, 70 That guy was fired, I think. He had a bad day. I don't know what happened. No, he had a bad, he had bad three-quarters of forecasting or reading. that if the, if the next couple quarters, their final revision is similar to this revision from the first quarter of 2011, then... We are still smack dab in a recession. I think I know that somebody in the National Bureau of Economic Research that makes these calls on when the recessions start and end, I believe it is of their view that the recession has ended, and that's only because they're looking at GDP data that says the GDP growth was 1.9%. Okay, let me ask and you. Now we're seeing that it's maybe, who knows, but substantially lower All right. than that. That's shocking do they, to me. Do they, publish a, do they publish a time estimate as to when this number is going to come out? Do all, uh, of these, do all of these revisions come out at the same, the same time? So do we know in four weeks we're going to get the full year annual revision and, uh, and at that point we can draw some more serious conclusions or does it, do they just do that when, they, when it's ready? You know, that is such an important question to having a serious discussion about this, which, we're which not is why have. we're not having exactly. that. Right? <laughs> but I do think from just, I'm just going to do some simple, simple uh, review. This thing has three bars. This has four. So I'm going to suggest That's one bar that for every one corner. more is coming and it's coming soon. That's, I don't want to get too complicated, but if this continues... One more, one more revision is coming. If they revise... The second quarter, 2011, from 1.2 to 0.3. We're in a recession. And then they revised the third quarter, 2011, from 2% to 0.3. Someone's going to think something's amiss. That's all I'm saying. Well, optimism is a good thing. You just don't want it in your forecasters. Yeah, no, of course. So, uh, all right, well, you know, I, uh, that's a little bit of a, of a sad, that, that was a little bit of a negative view. And, and I know Phil was appreciative recently that we had a positive spin. I don't want to disappoint him today. But this looks horrible, the thing we just talked well, about. This Let is... me mention something that looks a little better. Yes. Do you have a good one? We want to balance, you know. Well, I was going to mention that, uh, you know, interest rates, for people that are, that are still thinking uh, rates could go down, boy, tips are negative. Maybe, uh, you know, then the guys over at PIMCO continue to be pretty negative. Treasury inflation-protected securities are negative, are yeah, negative. negative yeah. right now. So um, people so are willing to give up principle for safety. What does that tell you? 
uncertainty. Yeah, yeah, uncertainty. So that was a, the whole uncertainty segment of the show. But let's end with something happy. Well, I've, I'm not ending, but I got something happy. And this ties into, you know, I know you have an issue with the non-farm numbers because you want to get some farm numbers in here. I would love to see some That's farm numbers. That's only 3% numbers. of the economy now, but I know you have deep roots farmers on the farm. Farmers are, we have farmers are some of our farmers. biggest investors. Uh, absolutely. Uh, but here's the thing. Average weekly private non-farm hours. Going up. Up. Still up. So that's good. Um, real change in private. Well, that's because they're firing so many people that the guys who are left over are working double shifts. Uh, you think so? But it says average. So I'm assuming the guy's not working. They're adding zero in. But you could be right. Maybe yeah. it doesn't take that into account. All right. Well, I'm paging through. Um, oh, here's something. Here's a little bit. This could be this could be viewed by some people to be good news, I guess. Um, on page eight, the producer price index, with interest rates so low, and returns so low, you know the thing that could really harm everyone is too much inflation, which frankly I think we will get because the government would rather inflate away this debt than rather than than pay it off. So I do think that's my best long-term forecast, but. I'm looking at the producer price index, the PPI. Ex no, it doesn't exclude food and energy. It includes it. It just took a super big dive, and that's a technical term, super big dive, the SBD, straight down from about 6-7% year over year to nearly zero, and I think that's got to be because of energy prices. Yeah. Uh, but it's a huge... Uh, reduction. There's not too many of these back through history, and so I think that uh, if that continues, returns even on the Treasury at 2.5% could become a real positive if this inflation stays below 2 or 1, which this suggests it could be, and I think uh, that's important to, to know. Um, I don't know that I have... Uh, I don't know that I have anything else that interesting. Well, I can here skip today, if you skip to the end with me and just take a look got? at one last chart on sure. page twenty-one. Twenty-one, yeah. And it's, it's you know it's corporate profits, and here's what oh, we yeah. know. We know we that we talked about this a few weeks ago. Yep, they are. Uh, they continue to trend, uh, just moving downward a little bit. Yeah, they're just and, rolling uh, over here. And uh, I'm, you know, I know that the the big story for a long time was during the downturn, um, every. Every company in the, the country was using everything they could to squeeze costs. They got a lot more efficient, uh, a lot of them um, computerized. And yeah. um, so we saw this big jump in corporate profits once we started even just a little bit of anemic demand coming back, but it's rolling over. What's going on? Uh, what's going on is I think, um, you know, those first that first 20% increase in sales, you can kind of get along with your existing staff. Because you laid some people off, you're hesitant to bring them back on. And I think what's happening here is two things. Uh, one, sales are starting to decelerate a little bit in here. Uh, and but this, you still have to bring on the people yeah, to accommodate right. that new once, critical mass. Once yep. you realize that this new level of demand is kind of consistent, even if it's flat, you got to start hiring people. Because you got a bunch of people working 50-hour weeks that's not sustainable. So that's actually good news, and this is, uh, you know, kind of a... 
bottom line explanation of, you know, the employment rate continues to go up. So this is probably a sign of that. Yep. Um, and it's good for stocks in the sense that it is rolling over, but I will note that it's at a very high level compared to any time in history, and I think a lot of that is due to automation, yep. um, and that's helping uh, corporate profit margins. So is that a cheery note? Yeah, corporate profit margins. There so you go. That's our show for this week. Don't forget uh, to see the new and improved website. Yep, www.thevalueguys.com. And then I do, you know, we have been a little bit uh, neglectful of uh, sharing our favorite each week. So I thought that we could uh, do that this week. I'm going to share my favorite. Well, is, I've got, uh, I've got yeah. mine. I'm Pier 1 Pier Imports. One. I, I, that's a new name to me. Everything I was looking at said... Uh, um, from a big picture standpoint, if uh, people are going to be fixing up or decorating their existing houses while they're waiting to buy another house, yeah, right. I think we're going to see a couple more years of that as the housing market shakes itself out. All of the numbers look good. Stock's been acting great, so yeah, I'm on board with it. You know, I agree with that, but I'm going to have my own uh, favorite this week because I think they might be a little more proprietary, just judging by the uh, EBITDA margins in the mid-20s. And that's Robbins and Myers, ticker RBN. So, fracking. The fracking yeah. guys. So that's it for this week, everyone. You've managed to spend another uh, 50 minutes listening to the value guys. See all our caveats, photos, past shows, a vastly better website at www.thevalueguys.com. So long, everybody. Have a good week.